0: Hello everyone. This is Mark Sloan with ASAP Advisors. Thanks for joining us again for our next podcast installment. Today I'm joined by Michael Hardy. Uh, Michael's a consultant with experience uh, on both sides of the professional services organization. He's worked as a uh, consultant with Oracle. He's also served in a management role within a professional services organization. Uh, Michael and I have known each other for a number of years now and uh, the The way I understand his transition um, is, is one that many of us in the consulting professional services world go through, right? We we gain experience with a big firm, we learn the ropes, um, but then we long for an opportunity, as as Michael has said, to to sink our teeth into something, mm-hmm. and and really build and manage a, a services organization. Um, so you know, this is of course not to say you can't have a big impact in a large organization. It's it's just a you know a different type of role. So today, Michael and I are going to discuss. Uh, a resource management engagement that he spearheaded in his professional services management role. And really it's about thinking about how to build an effective resource management capability. Before we dive in, Michael, I- I'd love to hear how you got into the professional services world.
1: Sure, yeah. Hey Mark, thanks uh, Thanks for having me on the call here. Much appreciated. So, um, Oracle was actually my second job. I started as a financial analyst with Gartner right out of college. Um, and then I had a friend who went over to, to Netsuite. So when I was ready for a change, I uh, went with him to that to that company and really started down the path of um, consulting. I was working on uh, Open Air, which is a sister product of Netsuite. Um, at first, I didn't really know what I was getting into, and then fell in love with it and went for you know probably six seven years doing that, and then went over to OST, which is where we cross paths So, Yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride
0: so far that's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, and, and so as we dig in today, we're going to talk about resource management. From my experience running a professional services organization, resource management is really you know, the, the linchpin of holding the organization together. I think, you know, a lot of people rightly put, you know, emphasis on execution, project management, client relationships, But but I found if you get the right person at the right place at the right time, you, you can overcome a lot of immaturity um, you know, on, on those other fronts. So, you know, as, we, as we dig in here, um, I, I think it'd be helpful if you could set the stage with, you know, what your situation was prior to refining resource management. You know, in short, you know, why did you guys need to change?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's spot on. Um, finding that resource at the right time is, is the key. Uh, for us, it was a, a little bit long journey to get to an actual resource management project uh, we started what we called a unified engagement model, um, and and the the intent there was to really help with our customer experience. So it was it was one thing from the sales to delivery. We wanted to make sure that was there was continuity. So from scoping, understanding of the problem, making sure that we had the right resources in place, making sure all that communication was um, a smooth transition from the sales to delivery, uh, and with the ultimate goal just to make. That customer experience seamless, and uh, make sure that they were they were taken care of. But um, that that project, uh, I'm, I'm kind of chuckling because it was definitely one of the more difficult times in 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 the work, just because in a lot of ways it failed. Um, but and it failed in such a way that it unearthed the complexity of what we were dealing with um, from the different process from pre-sales and, and the actual CRM process between resource management and delivery uh, because it does kind of bleed together uh, where and there's this gray area from when things transition um, with information so ultimately um, we we got the attention of the um, executive team and we made it a, a, a full-time initiative for uh, for the following year saying hey this year, as one of the top priorities, we're actually going to set this as a strategy to centralize the, the resource management uh, office, hire a resource manager, and, and get it going. So it's, uh, like I said, it was a long road um, to get there, but it it was very much worth giving it the time and attention that it deserved. It's because it wasn't uh, apparent at first. So,
0: sure, sure. Sense, well, and, yeah. and, and if you think about sort of resource management, I, you know, I a lot of people in, in my view are very focused with resource management on what i call staffing right that's the hey, here's a role that should have been built five days ago you know and it's something we need to do in the next week or two um but secondarily there, there's also you know, what i call the, the forecasting aspect of resource management which is really looking you know further out one three six months to where are we heading where's the sales pipeline going how many resources are we going to need for all that how many do we have what are our gaps right and so um Mm-hmm. You know, one is, you know, a little bit longer term planning. One is solving those needs here and now. You know, as you, as you look back and reflect, where did you guys need the biggest help? Was it on just, you know, that that minus five to plus ten day window? Was it the the, the longer range planning or or how do those things work together for you guys?
1: That's a great question. Uh, and that's one of the things that makes resource management really difficult, or at least for us, um, is... It's, it's one thing to know what your people are working on right now. You can have that conversation with your team. Um, but then to translate that into future demand and future needs, that's where our biggest challenge was. Um, we had multiple teams that had individual processes offline with Excel spreadsheets and stuff. Um, and it worked okay up to that point. But as a company, we were getting to this gray area tipping point of, of size and really needed to invest in... Um, ways that we can scale. Uh, and so as, I mean, so most people will know this, but you know, the offline Excel spreadsheets can be great in the short run, but you know, your ultimate demise. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, so anyways, our difficulty was really translating our pipeline into future resource needs. So because the, the, the sales team in an ideal world, you know, they would have 20 people uh, on bench, just ready to go so that, you know, sign so work you can get going. And if money wasn't a factor, of course, we would all like that. So, but the, the the delivery team, we really had to work to make sure that we understood what was coming down so that we could find the right resources, maybe rolling off projects or switching switching in between the two. But the the way in which we approached that uh, besides the Excel spreadsheet was the first big question that we had to tackle. And it's like, okay, how do we, how do we wanna do this? So does that help?
0: No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the thing I found is that, you know, I mean, resources are interchangeable to a degree, but, you know, there's there's always Betty, the expert that knows this, and, you know, and Bill, the expert in something else, and and everybody always wants Betty or Bill for their project, but, you know, Betty and Bill can only be in so many places that it, at one time, and so the key thing, you know, as I've worked with professional services organizations is really defining a, a skills inventory, right? So that you can start to see who does know what. And, and while, you know, Sammy may not be the expert, he's, he's a seven out of 10, right? He's, he's going to get the, the the job done. Um, but, you know, part of the challenge is the change management of getting salespeople, getting project managers over that hump of, but I want Betty, I want Bill, I want the expert. Um, oh, yeah. Do you guys experience any of that?
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, through the, you know, I mentioned that unified engagement model, and then into resource management. We also identified the skills as a as a way to help with professional development as well. So we kind of packaged the um, when talking with the different stakeholders throughout the business, saying, "Hey, we're collecting this different skills database so that we can, you know, find out who uh, can work on these incoming opportunities." But also, as a manager, it helps you have these conversations with maybe some of your junior employees, saying. Um, Oh, I see that you've noted you're you know a, a beginner at, at Python, and you you'd like to move up and get some more experience you know on that in that realm. So it gives the the signal to the the manager to keep an eye on those different opportunities coming through that maybe they can um, start to train or give opportunities for people who otherwise they wouldn't really know. But that's definitely a classic problem where uh, you have those consultants or or senior employees that are you know they're just good, right? Like when we and we want them on our project. Um, so we try to pull them on quickly, but it's it's just as important to uh, make sure that you're making sure that everybody's actually utilized and working and not just kind of kind of sitting around waiting, you know. So it's it's a challenge. There's always a balance. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it, one of the stories I've told, I may have mentioned this to you, early on in my consulting career, I was responsible for implementing a process change on a, a manufacturing plant floor, and I had designed this thing. I, I went to roll it out and the, the the plant floor supervisor who I was working with basically threw up all over this process change. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 in the end, it wasn't that the process change was wrong. Um, it was that she hadn't been included in part of the process because we ultimately implemented you know a refined solution that was 98% of the original design. Uh, and, and three months later, when I went back to visit the plant and just see how things were going, this woman came up to me out of nowhere and gave me a bear hug. Um, she was so excited <laughs> at the, the, the benefits. I mean, what, what were some of the you know, hardest parts, easiest parts, surprise parts of, 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 making changes for, for you guys?
1: It was a whirlwind. Um, it was a lot. It was a roller coaster. The, I'll say the first thing we put together, our team, um, a, a core team that really helped along the way. Um, so we, I had, I was the main product owner for for it. So I, I was responsible for the technology and the process and the architecture and design. Uh, and then we had a program manager to do the typical uh, communication or the action items and time schedule. Um, and we also had the communications lead uh, that did all the change management throughout the organization. So you you always hear people, process, technology. So we had each, each of those kind of covered. Uh, the hard part was actually the communication um, a, across the board. Systems are pretty easy; they do it, they do what you tell them, right? Um, and if you don't put right data in, you won't get right data it's, it's it's pretty simple, but human behavior is a lot more difficult. So we had to invest a lot of time, actually understanding, hey, what's it, what's it like in your position as a manager, as a as a uh, uh, a stakeholder, and why did you build your, your Excel spreadsheet this way? Why do you think about resource management in, in this type of calculation? And then taking the d- different pros and cons from each of those different approaches to find one way that we can agree upon, hey, these are what the numbers mean across the board. So kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but the I would say one of the hardest parts was actually getting common agreement across like what the different values and, and um, stages mean as far as like staffing and, um how we how we think about it whether it's from a uh, target utilization point of view or if it's from a full-time equivalent um, or, you know do we include holidays PTO you know all these little little small variables that seem insignificant but actually do um, you know make an impact on on how you're understanding uh, what's going on so ultimately we got to it was it, it worked out really well we, we uh, got to a good stable place and was able to build some Pretty awesome uh, dashboard and reporting and insights to our pipeline, um, but yeah, the hard part was just initial communication between the teams.
0: Sure. sure. No, and I think you know, people are so ingrained. I mean, people grow up in professional service organizations; they may migrate, but they they bring those you know the legacy way of doing things, the way they learned to do it, and and really transforming resource management takes a change, and it it, it takes you know either a push or a pull to uh, to to get you there, but. I guess the the sixty four thousand dollar question I have for you is, you know, how do you evaluate the impact that the changes you did make, um, you know, had on the organization?
1: Yeah, that was our, our one of our first big problems too, or questions that we had is like, okay, because this is something that's never like truly done, um, resource management, it becomes just like doing a timesheet, like you have to, it's just part of your everyday job. So drawing that line and saying, you know, how for this project and actually implementing a, a RMO. Um, how are we? How are we going to define it? So one of the ways that we did that was um, determining how much time people were spending offline to actually input data to create and update their models, um, and then translated that to like, okay, now how are you spending time after the fact? Um, and also, we found uh, just like random things that were happening, um, kind of like hidden processes that were costly so for example one one relatively senior employee was spending up to five hours a week just copying and pasting data and we're like oh my goodness i mean we and we fixed that within an hour i mean it was like we had the data readily available but there was a communication gap between our team and their team and that we could actually do that and and you know so you have these little small wins across the way um along the way um so ultimately it was it was a Really incredible impact we kinda had, had across the organization with a new hire on board um, and she was bringing in her industry experience with resource management and, and scaling, so she was able to take what we had done already and go even further than what we'd expected. So, and at the at the point we had it up, run and stabilize is kind of where I stepped back as the consultant and, and the architect, that kind of just got it up and running and, and then they got it onto like a normal uh, cadence of improvement, so. Um, yeah, big impact overall, and yeah. it's hard to it is hard to quantify though because it's not that you're having you're having time savings where people are doing more meaningful work rather than actual dollars, if if, if that makes sense. So.
0: Yeah, no, no, it absolutely makes sense. But I, I've seen many situations where you know utilization does improve, or um, you know organizations have been able to reduce their reliance on third party contractors. Yep, because they yep. do have greater visibility to you know availability of employees, and so they can redeploy that. Billable work there, but but I think you know the you hit on a point um, around. Look, you've got senior people that just have grown up and they they start doing these things, and, and it becomes a five ten hour per week task for them. Yeah. Where it, you know, when you look at the cost of adding a resource manager, you know, you start thinking, well, that's an added expense, but that's an added expense at a fraction of the cost of the senior folks. Yep. If I can redeploy that five, 10 hours a week to direct client work to uh, you know, methodology work to, to to knowledge transfer, right? There's there's sort of a you know a leverage model you're you're building there.
1: For sure, and it's really difficult. I mean, especially when I was working with Oracle, I think up to about 75 employees for the size of a company, you can get by with knowing what people are working on. Um, you know, and it's small enough that you can just go and ask somebody, hey, what's what's going on? But as you get to that 75, 100, and on up. It's, it's this gray area where you, you, you really do need the like, system and process in place in order to um, see from a system perspective what people are doing and, and to get insights into it uh, if, if you want to scale. So, um, yeah, it's a tough decision for leaders um, of when do we actually make that move as a team to, uh, to implement the resource management office or, or take it on as an initiative Um, I think one of the most important things, though, is to have um, an understanding from the leadership team, like, are we ready for it from a technology point of view? So, if we were to do it, does our our current PSA actually have the capabilities to to handle it? Um, Are we ready from a culture point of view? So, sometimes companies will go through a lot of different initiatives and get a little bit of uh, initiative fatigue uh, where they're tired of one more big project. Um, so, kind of pre- preparing for that from a culture point of view of, of change. Um, yeah. And then just being steady. So, it's a lot. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is just to have fun with it, right? It's at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's work and it's business and you learn and you fail and then you do well and you, just, you kind of repeat, just enjoy the ride.
0: Right. No, no, that's great. That's, a, that's, a, that's great advice. So, I, I really enjoyed the discussion. Uh, but before I let you go, I always like to ask our guests, you know, one final question about themselves, and and, and that is, uh, you know, if professional services were not your dream dream job when you were ten years old, what else did you want to do? And and before you answer, you know, I'm I'm playing second base for the Yankees, so your dream job <laughs> has to be something else. So
1: I get you. All right. Uh, you no, know, I was I was a big time skateboarder. Yeah, I've always been a, a bit of a nerd and escape. I, I even now in my thirties, probably like once a month, I'm out front skateboarding and, and having fun so i would definitely would have been like tony hawk right? like yeah there dead.
0: you go i like it well well, thank you again michael i, I really appreciate it and yeah uh, you know, i think uh, folks will get a lot from this discussion mark thank you so much i appreciate it i'll see you